Well, praise the Lord. You guys, we've been talking from the book of Joshua. Uh, wait, i got to find my clicker. I lost my clicker. Hold on. Here it is. Okay. Book of Joshua, chapter 1 and verse 2, right on the heels of this transition between Moses and Joshua, the Lord says, get ready. Get ready, because you're about to go <clears throat> into a place you've never gone before. You're going into a new realm. And there was a challenge that went out. And I believe with everything in me that we as a church and as individuals are getting ready to go into a new realm and our next level. Amen? <clears throat> Whether it is your next level of growth, your next level of where, wherever God is taking you, he's taking you to your next level. He wants you to grow. Has anyone seen that billboard? You know, you're, when you're driving to Green Bay, there, there's this billboard, and I think it's really significant because I, I don't know about you, but God talks to me through billboards. And he talks to me through all kinds of things, really, but billboards, you know. And so here's this, here's this billboard, and we've been saying what? Ready, set, go. Have you seen the billboard? Ready, set, grow. That's cool. And I just thought, that's really awesome, Lord. I'm going to take that as a word from you. Because God's always advancing. He's always challenging his people. He wants us to grow. He doesn't want you to stay stuck. He wants you to grow and improve and, and advance and take new territory and go to new places. Because that's what we're on. We're on, we're on a Christian journey. We have a Christian walk. It's not a Christian lie down. It's not a Christian sit. You're in a Christian walk. And so you should be always moving and always advancing and always going forward to what God is taking you in. God, you know, do you know, God is on the move. And let me just tell you something. I believe this. It's not a matter of, is God going to move in this area? I think it's said, I think God is going to move in this. I think he's moving in this area. The question is, are you going to move with him or without him? Because you know what? He doesn't stop moving because you don't want to. You know that God, there's not a vote. You know he's still God. And so he didn't get voted into office. He does what he's going to do. He has a plan and a purpose for a region and for a people and for an area. And he's looking for people that will say, I'll partner with that, Lord. And if, if we don't partner with him, he'll just move without us. He'll move around us. He's going to move in people's lives and in people's hearts. But I want to be part of it. Amen? I want to be part of it. I don't want to miss what God is doing in the earth today. And it's not time for you to sit back and whine and complain that, oh, the earth is so bad, and oh, my goodness, oh, look who's in office, oh. And we think that, we think the world rotates around what's happening in my little world. God is moving in this earth. He is bringing harvest to the earth. He's bringing a mighty harvest before he comes. There's going to be a latter rain. Better than the former rain, God is going to move. And he's looking for you to partner with him. Are you ready? Are you set? You got to grow. You got to grow. Joshua chapter 3, verses 2 through 5. And it says, at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, 
about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. The Lord is going to march ahead with or without us, but he wants us to, to cooperate with him in establishing his presence in an area, in a region. God's plan for Pulaski, God's plan for Green Bay, God's plan for this area, it's going to be accomplished with or without us. And he's wanting, it's really up to you. It's up to you. And here's here's what you have to decide. You can choose to be mediocre in your walk with the Lord. You can choose business as usual. You can choose to just settle for being a religious attender, church attender. You can choose to just being saved, just getting to heaven. You can choose and settle for just being comfortable. And you know what? You'll still go to heaven. (laughs) God is still going to love you. But make no mistake about it, you will never achieve the level of anointing that God intends for you to have. You will never get the victory that God wants for you. You will never see the victory in your marriage and in your family and your home life if you're going to just settle for business as usual. You're never going to have the level of joy, the level of victory, the level of productivity, the level of anointing, the level of breakthrough that he predestined you to have. You'll never Get there by just settling until you cross over to your next level of breakthrough. Touch your neighbor right now and say, it's up to you, man. It's up to you. Now, listen, I am well aware that there are many of you here probably this morning. Some of you, a few of you might be here this morning or listening online or whatever. And... I'm aware that you are, um, you're okay with settling. You're okay with just being mediocre and being the religious church attender and and you're willing to just skate by and, and just get to heaven. But I'm also aware, and, and I'm focusing on those of you this morning who are warriors And I'm focusing on those of you that are more than conquerors. I'm focusing on those of you that are the revivalists. I'm focusing on the victorious. I'm focusing on the overcomers. I'm talking to those who want to see their families and their children and their children's children's children get to victory and breakthrough in their lives. You're the people of the Most High God who doesn't settle because you know who you are. You know you're meant for more than just this. You know you're meant for more than just getting saved and getting to heaven. Let me just tell you, if your only purpose, again, I've said this before, maybe you've heard this, I don't know, but if your only purpose was to go to heaven, there'd be two ministries in the church. There'd be evangelists and assassins, and that'd be it. (laughs) We'd get you saved and shoot you and send you to heaven, and we'd do our purpose in life. But, you know, there's more to your future. There's more to life than just going to heaven. Heaven is awesome. Heaven's going to be amazing. But that's your reward when you're done kicking the devil's butt on earth. 
<laughs> then you get to go to heaven and you just get to sit back and rejoice and enjoy it all. That's going to be awesome. But right now there's some butt kicking to do. You still got kids that aren't saved. You still got grandkids that are, that are lost. You still got people who are not what God intended them to be. And you're going to sit back and say, forget it all. I'm just going to fly away to go glory. Come on. There's more to life. And the Holy Spirit put himself inside of you for more than you to get to heaven. He's for you to get you from glory to glory. To take you to levels of victory that you could only imagine. I want to get there, don't you? Praise God. Okay. So if that's you, <laughs> listen, you better follow closely behind the presence of the Lord. Get close behind that ark. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some work. God will do it, but we have to do our part. And it's not easy. But it's worth it. There's some stuff that you're going to need. There's some work you're going to need to decide to get busy. You're going to have to roll up your sleeves and get at it. Those lives won't save themselves. That gospel won't preach itself. Jesus is moving in the earth, but he's moving through vessels. He's moving through people. So there's some, there, there's some of our part. What's, what's our part? What's our part? Well, first of all, you have to change your march. You're going to need to change up your march. Joshua 3, verse 4 again. There shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go. For you have never passed this way before. Say that with me. You have never passed this way before. You've never been this way. You've never done it this way before. These guys, this nation is going into a realm that they have never walked in before. And there is a change in the march. You notice this. There's a change in how they're going to march into the promised land. And they've never done it this way before. The march was set 40 years earlier by Moses and how they were to march and how they were to move. And this is completely different now. Now today, it all changes. They've never done it this way before. Now, the Ark of the Covenant is going to be covered with a, with a cloth of, of pure uh, blue and it's placed out in front of the column. And the eyes of the nation are focused on the Ark of the Covenant, on the presence of God. And it, it's different now. Let me just tell you something. Your walk needs to change. If you're going to get to your next level, you're going to need to change your walk. You're going to need to change your march. You're going to need to change your step or you're going to be left behind. Things that have been acceptable to you and the, your ways of walking in your former season are going to be totally unacceptable now. You have to grow. It cannot be business as usual. You have to make changes. And this is very, very, very difficult for most of us. We have a hard time with change. Touch your neighbor and say, change is hard. <clears throat> See, we, we easily get stuck. We easily get stuck. And, I, I, and, and the church of Jesus is famous for getting stuck. We get to be the most stuck people sometimes on planet Earth. 
Christians get so nervous about changing how we do things because they're worried that we're going to become worldly or we're going to change the gospel. Well, listen to me. The message never changes. God never changes. He never will. But listen to me. Our methods have to change. How we present must change. How we communicate, it has to change. Because why? Culture changes. You notice culture changes rapidly? You're, you're going to get out of step in no time if you're not with it. Like, you know, if you don't, if you don't actively try to keep up with, with worship, right, the music changes all of a sudden. And it, it happens fast. We are no longer singing hymns from 1600 for a thousand more years. We're not, we don't do that now. It's changed. We have different music if you paid attention lately, right? And for some people, this is really, really, really hard because it's different. And we don't like different. Come on, be honest. We don't like different. It's difficult to change. It's difficult to do something different. And so we, we have to change because culture's changing, because language is changing all the time. We have to change our culture and adapt. We have to change language, and we have to adapt to the culture. And, but, but our message doesn't change. Our message never changes. You know, you, do you know that um, Justin and Leanne's little, little guy, Liam, he is, so, he is so stinking cute. You can get a sweet dude looking at that kid. He is so funny to me. He's just a funny kid. He's fun. You know, so listen, I go up to him, and I, I want to I share that I love him, right? My message is love. <clears throat> I want him to know as a kid that I really love him and I appreciate him. And so what do I do? You know, I put him on my lap, and I'm sitting there talking to him and saying, hey, guy, how's it going? What are these toes? You know, he laughs. These your toes? Yeah. What's this? And I pinch his thighs, and I pinch his knee, and he laughs, and he squirms, and it's so fun, Right? I'm giving the message of love. But watch this. Watch this. Come on up here, Adam. You can help me here. Because I have a son, Adam, right? So, you know, I want to I give Adam the message. I really love this guy, you know? <laughs> hey, buddy. How's it going? Ooh, what's this, Toast? Oh, oh what's this? Oh, How'd that feel? Loved. Loved, okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> you weirdo. <laughs> now listen. <laughs> Did my message change? No. Same message. I love you. Did my method change? No. And what was that? Weird. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> now, <laughs> listen to me. If we're not careful, we're wanting to reach the next generation. Am I alone here? Come on. Who wants to reach the next generation? Yeah? Because you know what? If you're my age, in 20 years, you're going to be 70. Yeah. And in 10 more years, you'll be 80. So, 
which is awesome, right? It's awesome to have 70-year-olds and 80-year-olds and 90-year-olds and 100-year-olds in a church. But a church full of 100-year-olds? A church full of 80-year-olds? Come on. That's not so cool. Because that means it's going to, that's, that's a, that's a near-death experience. <laughs> that's not great. There is one great thing about being over 100, though. Not a lot of peer pressure, right? <laughs> not a lot of peer pressure. So if we're wanting a generation, if we want a future church, if the church of Jesus is going to survive in the earth, don't we have to reach the next generation? Which means we've got to be willing to change some things sometimes. Same message, but we better change our method. Otherwise, it's going to be the same as what I just showed you. We're going to have a relevant message, but an irrelevant method. And it's going to be weird and creepy, and they're not going to be attracted to it. You hear what I'm saying? And you, you might have to be willing to do some things new that you've never done before. You might have to say, we've never done it like this before. You might have to be willing to say, or, or to not say, well, we've never done that before. That's not how I've done church. Well, I don't like that. If you want your marriage to change, listen to me. You're going to need to change something. You're going to need to change something. You can't just sit back and say, well, I hope that they change. No, what are you going to change? What's going to change in your walk that you've never done before? Your march has to change. You want to get out of debt? What are you going to change? What are you willing to change to get out of debt? You're going to get out of your porn addiction? What's going to change? What steps are you going to take? You might have to change some things. You might have to put some blockers on your computer. You might have to get an accountability partner. You might have to expose yourself to, a, to another man or another woman. If you're a woman or if you're a man, right? Same sex. Don't, don't go telling your porn addiction to my wife if you're a guy. I'll punch you in the throat. No, I won't really. I'm kidding. I won't punch you in the throat. I got delivered from that because I changed. <laughs> See? There was a time, <laughs> maybe I would have punched you in the throat, but I won't now. Now, now I won't. I'll just lay hands on you in Jesus' name, <laughs> right? It's more powerful. Okay, so listen, you have to stop. You can't do the same thing and expect different results. That's the definition of insanity. Something's got to change. You can't just sit back and say, God, change me. Okay, what are you going to change? What's your part? What are you going to do to partner with the Lord? And, and I find that in the Bible, before people could get to their next level, they had to change their march. They had to change their walk. We can go back to, um, to Jacob. Jacob, in, in Genesis chapter 32, he, he wrestles with God all night long, right? His name was Jacob. It meant deceiver. And after he wrestles all night with the Lord, what happened? The, the, the angel touched his socket and he, his walk was changed. He now walked differently. He now walks differently. And he's no longer Jacob the deceiver. He's Israel, he who contends with God. 
he who contends with God. So no longer can Jacob get by deceiving to get through life. Now he gets through life by wrestling it with the Lord in prayer, coming to God and saying, oh God, if you don't do this, it can't happen. Oh Lord, you gotta do this for me. And some of you guys need to change your walk and you start doing some contending with God. You know, you know what? Listen to me. Just let me give you a piece of advice. You're screaming and yelling and calling your kids names. It's not going to change them. It's not going to change them. You can take away all you want to take away from them. But if you're not contending with God for them, their soul, if you're, not, if you're not fighting for them and breaking through, some of you, that's something you need to change. You need to change. You go home today and say, oh, you know, hubby, you didn't come with me again to church. You loser. You're rotten. How's that working out for you? They're not in church with you, I notice, right? How about if you change something? How about if you begin to intercede for them? How about if you begin to pray? How about if you begin to encourage them? How about if you get to unconditionally love on them? Change your walk. Change your walk. Change your walk. Jesus called his disciples. Every one of them had to leave the life they once had. They were fishermen. They couldn't be fishermen anymore. They could no longer, their, their walk had to, had to change. No longer cheating tax collectors. No longer could they be hot-tempered big mouths. You have to cross over to your victory. You're going to need to change up your walk. There's some things you're going to need to change. You're used to gossip. When you had in your former season, just maybe yesterday, maybe last week, you were gossiping. You had a problem with someone in church, so what did you do? You called all your friends and told them about it. No longer can you do that. Now you're going to have to contend with God. Now you're going to have to pray. Now you're going to have to do the hard work, do what Jesus said, and go to your brother and sister and confront it and be recon reconciled to your brother or your sister. Win them back. You've got to change what you're doing. Today your march is changing, and you're going to start doing what God called you to do. Before you used to just whine and complain and moan, and you got mad and you, you showed them the tall finger. I don't know. But not anymore. Now your, your walk has to change. you got to change your march. Today your march is changing. Today you're going to start declaring. You're going to start decreeing what the Lord has said about you. Before maybe this church, you relied on something, you were, certain programs or certain things that, that you did. I don't know, but, but now you have to change your walk and do things differently and see things differently because the presence of the Lord is going to move forward. The presence of the Lord is on the march, but sadly, very well, he might march with just a small remnant. Maybe he's going to, maybe, maybe many today will choose not to follow because they're totally unwilling to change their march, too comfortable with how they've always marched and how it's always been. And let me just tell you this too, big changes happen sometimes with just one little change. Y'all get overwhelmed sometimes. Just get overwhelmed with life. And it seems like it's all piling up on you. This huge debt you have or this huge problems you have. But if you just change one thing, it's a start. And it can start the, it can start the, the avalanche of other changes. I have a friend, his name was Mark. He lives in Seattle. When we were living in Seattle, we worked at a church in Seattle. And Mark was an overweight man. And I'm always wiping these plants out, by the way, just so you know. Plants hate me. Mark was overweight. He had high blood pressure. He had diabetes. He 
couldn't walk hardly at all. He had gout in his foot, and he just had a lot of health problems. And he was in church, and um, the Lord just spoke to him. Change one thing. Pick one thing and change it. Just change. I want you to change. He was saying, God, change this, change this. The Lord said, what are you going to change? And he said, oh, he was overwhelmed. There's so much to do. There's so much to change. I have this problem, that problem, that problem. The Lord said, pick one. Pick one. And he did. You know what he picked? Diet soda. He stopped drinking soda and diet soda and all kinds of soda. He just stopped drinking soda. One thing, just stopped drinking soda. And he started feeling better. And he lost a bunch of weight. He started feeling a lot better. And that encouraged him. Wow, this is pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. And he gave up one other thing, candy bars. He had a lot of candy bars. He'd eat like three candy bars a day. He said, I'm going to give up candy bars. And, you know, before you knew it, the weight is just coming off of, of him. And we went back to Seattle. We had moved away. And we had noticed changes in him. You know, he was looking different. He was looking a little slimmer and a little happier. And we were, we were gone from Seattle a few years, and we went back to visit. And this man came running up to us and, and greeting me, and I did not know who he was. It was Mark. He did not look the same. He did not even look like the same person. And he said, you know, it just took one change. He said, just one change changed my life. And it started the whole process. And he said, I, I, do, my di I don't have diabetes. He said, my gout's gone. My blood pressure's normal. I walk. I don't know how many miles he said. He was walking every day. He was a different man. One change. One change. Let me ask you this morning, what are you going to change? What's one change you could do? What's one thing? Just start with one. Start with one. One thing you could do in your life. One thing that could change, and it could change you forever. Touch your neighbor and say, change is okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Secondly, you're going to need to change your commitment. You're going to need to change your commitment. Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I love how the Bible shows us the Lord is going to do wonders among you, but what do you do? Consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself. So the Hebrew word for consecration, it means to prepare, to dedicate, to be hallowed, to be holy, to be separate or set apart, which is the idea of holy and hallowed. If you're holy, you're separate, you're set apart. And God's telling this people that if they were going to cross over to their destiny, and follow the will of the Lord, they had to be set apart for him. They had to be holy. Now, that involves basically two things. Consecration, being set apart, there's two things. One is personal repentance. Personal repentance of every known sin. Now, one of the primary reasons that Israel constantly found their way to the next level blocked was because of sin. Repentance is more than just acknowledging their sin. Repentance is not you sit down with your list and you just list all these sins out. Oh, I'm so terrible. I'm but a worm. 
blah, 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 blah. I did this, 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 this. That's not really what repentance is about. Repentance is a total attitude shift. The word repentance in Greek, it means metanoia. It means to change. It means to change your mind. It means you are going in this direction and you stop today and you say, you know what? I can't go that way anymore. I got to turn around. I'm going to go this direction now. I'm going to consecrate myself. I'm going to go in this way. I was in this relationship with this boy, and it's not a good relationship. I was in a relationship with this girl, and it's not a good relationship. Y'all know what that means by not a good relationship. And you say, no more. Uh Uh-uh, stop. Sorry, babe. See ya. I'm going this way. I got to follow the Lord. I got to follow Jesus. I was involved in this. No more. I got to go this way now. That's the idea of repentance. Isaiah wrote to us in Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, your sins, have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. Sin has a terrible, devastating effect. And people today, we, we, we're too flippant with the idea of, of sin. And we think it won't matter. God loves me. God forgives me. Yes, he does. But what you need to see from this passage is this sin separates you from God. Sin makes a, sin, sin makes a separation between your relationship and God. And it's not that God moves away. It's not the idea that God says, oh, I'm so horrified by you. I can't go. I'm going to get away from me. No, it's you moved away from him. Sin moves you away from your connection to God. Your intimacy with God is interrupted when there's sin in your life. So it has to be dealt with. And people often think, well, sin doesn't affect anyone but me. It's not hurting anybody. But our sins have a consequence not only on our lives, but on the lives of everybody whom we love. We are affecting everybody around us, and we're affecting a whole church. We can affect a whole congregation. For example, it's sometime later after this story, they've already crossed over into Canaan land. And they're going to go take the next place. And, and one of the men sinned, and, and, and uh, he sins against the Lord. One out of all the hundreds of thousands disobeyed the clear instructions of the Lord. And he disobeyed the Lord. And it was Achan. And Achan's sin brought misery, brought defeat on the entire nation. His sin affected everybody. There's things in our lives that you're not just affecting you. You're affecting everybody around you. A, 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 a lust problem, a porno problem, pornography problem, you're affecting, you're letting spirits into your home and spirits into your life, and it's affecting your family and your children and your marriage and all kinds of things. You let anger infest your life and in your heart, and you hold anger and you hold bitterness. Well, I'm not going to forgive so-and-so. I'm not going to forgive. They hurt me, and I'll never let this go. I'll never let them. I'm going to hold on to this bitterness. And you know what? It's a poison, and the Bible says the root of bitterness, and it poisons many. And you're poisoning your whole family by that one little sin, the one root of bitterness, consequences. So on the eve of the greatest day of their history, Israel's commanded to be certain that they're right with God, to examine their lives. Am I right with you, God? And forsake sin, devote themselves wholly to the Lord. There are, perhaps you've been here this morning and you've struggled for years 
with the same sin. You've struggled years with it. And you've struggled so long, going, you know what I'm talking about, you're almost okay with it. It's become so familiar. You're so used to it. And maybe you make little excuses for it. Like, oh, yeah, I have a temper. I'm, I'm Norwegian. We all have tempers. Yeah, I'm stubborn. Every Norwegian. You can always tell a Norwegian, but you can't tell them much. My whole family is this way. It's how it is. And you've struggled with those things. You're comfortable with sin. You're comfortable with your struggles. And, and, but listen to me. You can't take it with you to the next level because it's always going to pull you back. Israel had to stop it right there. The people, before they could cross over, they, the Lord had to say, consecrate yourself. You can't take these things with you. You're not going to take idols over into the promised land with you. You're not going to drag these things to your next level because they're always going to be pulling you back. And because Israel would not consecrate themselves, they actually didn't consecrate themselves, and they dragged idols with them all along the way, and that always pulled them back to bondage. You will always get pulled back until you're willing to deal with it and handle it, and take care of it. The good news is you don't have to do it alone. We're here with you. We're here to help you to do that. If you're stuck, you come talk to us, and we can help you with that. We can help you get you unstuck. Another part of consecration is setting yourself apart for God. And so they deliberately, throughout the, throughout the Bible, we see people deliberately set aside good and normal activity, like, um, like eating, you know, normal life functions, eating and washing and, and doing these different things, they set it all aside because they would set aside all distractions so they could really focus on the Lord. They could really devote themselves completely and totally over to the Lord. If our worship team wants to come right now, that would be great. So listen, consecration means I'm going to set aside the typical and I'm going to put my spirit on ready to see where God is working around me so that I can join him. I'm going to make myself alert. What is God doing around me? How can I join with him? How can I partner with what God is doing? And I'm going to be alert to it. Be aware of what God is up to. Jewish people didn't discern the time of their visitation in the New Testament. And they were distracted and they, they missed what God was doing. There are so many of you here. I've talked to some of you. I've heard stories about some of you. That you're in a season where you sense God is growing you. Right? God is challenging you. Some of you, you've been asked to step out in faith in some areas. And you just need to take some time and invest in setting yourself apart to hear his voice and direction. People say to me all the time, Pastor, God, God isn't talking to me really? How much time are you investing listening? How much time are you spending in his word? How much time are you sitting in his presence in worship and listening to the voice of God? Or did you give him five minutes and he didn't show up so you're done? You have to invest in it. You have to consecrate yourself. If you're going to see all that God wants to do, if you want to see all that God wants to you to be, what God wants our church to do, what our church to be in this next season, we better be in prayer. We better be in his presence, church. I'm serious about this. Paul Youngie Cho, who has the largest church in the world in, 
in South Korea. He talks about how he goes and he does these seminars and and everybody is taking notes when he talks about small groups, you know, he, every, the, and cell groups, and the notepads are flying, and the pens are flying, and he talks about prayer. And everybody puts their books away and their pens away, and they just quietly wait for him to be done. We can't get there without prayer. We can't get there without consecration. We can't get there without calling on the Lord. Prayer meetings should be the best attended meetings in this church. They really should be. Because that's where it's going to happen. That's where change is going to take place. So consecrate yourselves. Change your march. Change your commitment. you got to be sold out for Jesus. Listen, no more limits on what you're going to do for him. No more limits on what you're willing to change or what you're willing to offer for his will and his purpose, for your life and for our church. I want a prayer team to come on up right now. The prayer team can come on up and just stand right on up here. What are you willing to change? You got to change your march. What are you willing to consecrate to the Lord? What are you willing to give to Him and focus on Him? What are some things that need to go today? Listen, we're here to pray with you about that this morning. Could you stand with me out here? Let's just stand together. Each one of our prayer people are here to believe with you for God that you're going to be able to do those things. You're not alone. Now, you don't have to come on up here and and confess every sin to these people up here. It's none of our business. It's between you and God. But the point is you're going to make a move. You're going to change something. You're coming and saying, Lord, I need help. And you tell one of these people up here, I need, I need things to change in my life. Yes. And you know what it is, and God knows what it is. And they're going to pray and believe with you for some transformation to take place, that your march will change, that you're, you're going to consecrate these areas of your life. But the greatest and the most important change that you need to do is you need to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. And if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never confessed him as your Lord and Savior. You've never prayed a prayer to him where you said, Lord, I believe I'm a sinner. I know I need you. Come into my life. You've never been born again. You've never been born anew. The Holy Spirit has not come upon you and began to change your life and you became a new creation in Christ. Today's your day. Change that one thing and I promise you everything will change. And so if you need to do that, you come on up here and let one of these people up here know, I need to receive Christ as my Savior this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we pray this morning, Lord, that everybody who needs to come will come. Lord, that those who are struggling today, you would unstick them, unstruggle them, Lord, that today would be the beginning, that they'd be willing to change their march. They'd be willing to consecrate themselves and go to the next level of victory, Lord, that they will not settle. They will not settle in Jesus' name. If you need to come on this morning, come on up. Even if you need to say, I'm not settling. Even if you need to make a statement before the enemy, a statement before the Lord and say, I'm not going to settle. I'm going to come on the move. Sometimes stepping out and coming forward is a great statement to make to say, I'm not settling. I'm going to move forward in Jesus. You come on up, come up to one of these people. We'd be glad to pray with you this morning.
You can wait on the Lord and worship with us if you'd like to. And you're free to go whenever. God bless you so much. Thank you for being here with us this morning.